Before we get to the podcast, who is on the phone to help us kick this off? Hey, Miguel and Holly. How are you? Doing so well, Jacob. What's going on with you today? Oh, nothing, Holly. Nothing. Nothing? Um, well, Holly O'Connor, I'm, I'm calling to talk to you. Oh, well, here I am. Holly, listen, Holly, listen, Holly. You guys are doing a good show. So, um, Holly, um, I have a question for you guys. Um, uh-huh. What are you guys planning on for your 10th birthday? Do you know yet? You know, that's a really good question, Jacob. And for anybody who doesn't know, basically uh, Hot 101.5 turns 10 years old in July, which is bonkers. Um, I'll tell you what, Jacob, uh, one of our higher ups in the company put it as like a like an event in all of our phones, (laughs) like sent out a memo and said, Hot's 10th birthday. And it's so we have this reminder in our phones, but there's no description. So <laughs> we have no idea what we're doing or if we are going to do anything other than this calendar invite from our mm. boss's boss boss. Uh, we better have a sheet cake. There better be some public's cake. Present. I'm about to say we need a sheet cake uh, to celebrate, and it needs to be purple. I wouldn't mind a celestial. No, it's hot pink now, Miguel. I know, no, no, but we have to harken back to the to the original. Hot what if we did logo. a fusion? Oh, I'm purple down for into it. pink with a little. Well, we could, black on a cake is tough, but we could do a couple little spritzes. I love it. How do you feel about that, Jacob? I feel like that maybe you should do a special podcast on your 10th birthday. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm down for yeah. that. We'll bring back some of the old Hot 101.5 stars. I was just going to say, why don't we reach out to uh, some of the former personalities here? Yeah, see if Jade and mm-hmm. Chase and Eakin, Nikki, Phoebe, and- Nikki, yes. all of them, and uh, get them on to I reminisce. Sh- I sure would. Listen, 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 listen. I sure would love to have Nikki on that special podcast. Uh, look, you know, I just... definitely would listen to that one. <laughs> I love to have some Nikki. That. I love it. Well, we're going to work on it. Mm-hmm. Well, before we start the podcast, tell everybody what podcast they're actually listening to, Jacob. They are listening to the Holly O'Connor podcast. <laughs> with, uh, they are listening to the Holly O'Connor mm-hmm. podcast. I'm sorry I had to get you, mm-hmm. Miguel. That's fine. That's fine. It's fine. I'm just happy to be Miguel. here. Just happy to be here, Jacob. Unscripted. Unshackled. Uncouth. What you're about to hear is for mature ears only. It's Miguel Fuller. I would show anything. I'd show my hee-hee and my hoo-hoo oh. and my ha-ha. <laughs> Holly O'Connor. Hey, Daddy, you want to take this to the bedroom? And Scotty the Body. I am officially not only the grill daddy, but I'm a hot grill daddy. Oh, wow. It's the Miguel and Holly Uncensored Podcast. Only from Hot 101.5, Tampa Bay's new hit music. Well, uh, hello. We are back. Hello. Another uh, pulled guys. Yeah. And don't forget, you can listen uh, actually, you can watch this on the Miguel and Holly YouTube channel and see us there. I just realized there's a few people that watch it. Yeah. So shout out yeah. to the watchers on the Miguel and Holly YouTube channel. On the YouTubes. On the YouTubes. Yeah. Because there are several of them. I the YouTube. Like saying the internets. Uh, here, I want to start off with a review that we got from Apple Podcasts. Oh, you nice. You can always leave us a review there. Okay. This is from Lauren919Love You All. I never usually write reviews, but I wanted to share how much I enjoy your podcast. I feel like I can relate to all three of you in different ways. Holly, I have a six-year-old daughter Mm. and three-year-old, but she's another story. And love your mom stories. Uh, We also love our YouTube families, including Adley. Yes! A for Adley! 
Maya's going to be getting some A for Adley merch in her Easter basket. Oh. Who? Oh, my gosh. She sells merch? Nice. Yeah. That's, okay, so as a quick aside, Adley's dad is like a video game developer, and if Lauren does not know this already, maybe when she gets a little older, her daughter can check out the Unicorn Catch game. Unicorn Catch? It's oh. an app for Ad, Ad, that Adley's dad has made. Oh, wow. And there's uh. another one, too. And, like, one of the things in the app is, like, merch. So Maya will click it. And before, like, it usually gives you a math question, and then it's like, tell your parents to answer this math question, and then you can go to the store. Mm, oh, so they make it a little complicated. Yes, but homegirls learning math now. Uh-oh. It was like three times four, and I would be like, type in the answer, and I'd be like, let me see what this is. And she's like, got it. Oh. And I'm like, oh, damn Dang. you, common call. <laughs> but we, it, it's actually some cute stuff. We got like a little a juice box water bottle and a little unicorn. Oh, that's cute. It makes money. I know, know, right? That's smart. I I do. I have a comment because we will often say things and then forget um, about YouTube stars. Oh. Um, uh, With something that I watched last night that I was like, man, I tell you what, as I get older, I understand why when I was young, I used to be like, uh, why are old people sometimes so like jaded? And like crotchety. Right. And then like you, as you get older and you like see the world and you see how it really works and yeah. you're like, you know what? Good all. Yeah. But yeah. We'll oh my gosh. I, I also have another YouTube story. We can save it. Yeah, for yeah. Later. Finish the comment. Finish the comment. Thank you, Lauren. So then she says, uh, including Adley, Miguel, I share your obsession with Outlander. I even downloaded the uh, Stars app just for the most recent season. Mm. But I couldn't get into Men in Kilt as much as I wanted to. And Scott, I lost my mom when I was 26 and mm. empathize with what you're going through. Mm. I still remember sitting in her uh, closet trying to go through her stuff because my dad wanted to and just sobbing. Your story about your dad wanting to start that process really hit home. Anyway, love you all, and I truly look forward to each and every podcast. Lauren. Oh, thank you, Lauren. Thank you. You can always leave a review on Apple Podcast or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a review and a rating, and it really helps. 100%. Um, so I watched yesterday, last night, this documentary about Varsity Blues the college admission scandal. Oh, dang. I thought you were talking about James Vanderbeek for yeah, a second. No, no, not not the old Varsity Blues movie from the uh, 90s, early 2000s. With the infamous whipped cream bikini? Yes. That's a whole different conversation. Yes. Wow. Uh, but this is such an interesting documentary. Wait, of- so you, what did you watch? Not the documentary. No, so I did watch the, document- the documentary, but it was about, because they called it the uh, Varsity Blues scandal, that whole admission scandal yeah. with Lori Laughlin from uh, Full House and Felicity oh, Huffman. Yeah. So it's basically about that. And so what they do in this movie is they have different, like, education experts giving sort of like a documentary style, like, you know, their confessional about, you know, what they know about it and just commentary. <laughs> but then yeah. because this whole scandal... Because we only saw, like, part of it from the celebrity angle. Like the tip of the iceberg. Right. But, like, this whole thing was so in-depth where they got, like, one person and they the FBI tapped into the main guy who was helping organize all of the college admission stuff. Mm -hmm. They They basically had him set him up and tapped his phone and recorded all of these conversations with these rich people yeah. about their children, getting them into college. Whoa. And so then what they the directors did is they basically reenacted 
because they had the direct dialogue, they didn't have to make it up. Yeah. And so they had actors like um, act out some of these scenes. You think you know the depths of what rich people can do and how they feel like they can do whatever they want. But then when you hear the words that they use, how they treat money, how they treat people, it is fascinating as fuck. Like, it is just so interesting about how there was this one mom who was on the phone with the guy, his name is uh, Rick Springer, I believe, who was organizing this whole thing. Oh, Lord. And how she's like, well, because this wasn't just like a, Holly, you give me $50,000 and I'm going to get your daughter into an Ivy League school. Mm -hmm. This was, Maya is into drama and that's all she loves, but he has a connection with the rower coach at uh, Berkeley. Yeah. And there is a side door where his foundation pays money to USC to say, hey, we're giving you $500,000 to help this, like, little-known sport, the, the sport that doesn't get a lot of money. Rowing? Rowing. Yeah. And so then what happens is he's like, well, I do have this um, this uh, lady named Maya out from Florida who is a rower, even though Maya has never touched a rower. Yeah. And maybe you should consider her to be on the rowing team. So then this guy comes to you to Florida, has Maya take these pictures on a rower has them photoshopped, so she has, like, the form to make it look like she knows what she's doing. And what happens is these sports departments, they pretty much, the admissions department just trust what they say when they say, of hey, course. you know, oh. we, we've got 20 spots open for sports. Maya, for the rowing team, and they just go on the coach's word. So Maya gets accepted, even though she doesn't have the grades for it, to be on the rowing team at Berkeley. And so then they just don't show up to practice. But they're not checking because they're also depending upon the coaches to say, hey, Maya's showing up for rowing practice. Maya's actually on the rowing team, and she's never on the rowing team, but she got in. Who? Uh, I'm sorry. My mind hurts. Yeah. It's need to watch this. really complicated. F- the first thing my mind hurt about was, did you watch the documentary or did you watch the documentary about the documentary? Oh, no, no, no. The, I watched the documentary. Okay. It was the documentary about okay. Varsity Blues. That's what. That's just what the whole scandal was called. Uh, All right. I thought you mm-hmm. watched a, a show about this movie, and I got confused, but no, that's no, not the no, no. point. Mm-hmm. The point, okay. So, uh, help me here. Mm-hmm. The coach yeah. who knows that the kid is not a rower and will not be showing up on the rowing team, he has to say to the school... Yes, she is, and yes, she does. Mm-hmm. And the school does or doesn't know, they that, don't it's, know. that it's a wink. They're just like, hmm. And how this all started was there was— um, Because they're getting money for their program, and that's why they're doing it? Yeah, so there was like—and there was a couple of different ways that it happened. That was just the most scandalous one. Right. Where um, I want to—I don't remember what school it was, but there was one school in California where it was like the associate director or the associate uh, director of athletics— um, a coach and then another coach. Uh-huh. They were all in on it, and they were just like, "Oh, we know who Rick is. That's fine. Just let it happen." And so they would get money for these l- lesser-known sports, and the coaches would get money as well Absolutely. as a little payoff because yeah. of the parent. Mm-hmm. Was is there not some level of accountability? Like 
I just feel like on my college campus, like, ain't no one getting away with shit. Like, Well, that's the thing is that it's all, and that's one of the points they make in this documentary, is that higher education is based on trust. That they just trust that, and you're on the honor system, that if you have spent your life serving these kids, you're going to tell the truth. That right. you're not going to lie. And But then it took one college counselor who actually, it was um, Lauren Laughlin. Lori Lachlan. From a full house. Yeah. It was her daughter, who I think her name was Olivia yeah. uh, Olivia Jade. Yeah. And this is where the YouTube comment comes into play. Okay. Uh. Um, where, you know, she, her daughter, Olivia Jade, because I, I had no clue who she was before all this happened. She was like a famous YouTuber. Yes, yeah, famous YouTuber. Yes. Yeah. Where, and this is where she fucking got caught, because her whole day was on her phone. Ugh, I'm in class. I hate school. Ugh. I hate school. I hate this class. I hate this class. I hate this class. So then all of a sudden, her admissions counselor or her guidance counselor at the high school gets a a call from USC, a really, really hard school to get into. And they're like, hey, so we're showing that Olivia Jade is on the rowing team. And that's not right. I don't remember what it was. Right. But so she wasn't even in uh, in college yet. No. She was in high school. She was in high school. And it was her guidance counselor. And he was like. She doesn't do anything. Like, she actually hates school. Like, her grades aren't that great. And they're like, whoa, well, it's showing here that she's... And so then it was like, from there, it just started to unravel with one person. And then Olivia Jade's dad, Lori Laughlin's husband, went to the high school and confronted the guidance counselor and was like, why are you trying to, like, mess up my daughter? Like, that's just one instance of the audacity of... Rich people. Yeah. And like, then also, wow. wow. The just, onus isn't just on them, it's also on the colleges. Absolutely. Because of what they do. So it's, I tell you what, if even if you're not a documentary person, they did a great job of not making it boring, mm-hmm. but explaining it very well to where you're just like, fuck. What's it on? What's uh, Netflix. Oh. It's on Netflix. Oh, good. I'll check that out. Um, so it's really, really good. But the whole point of this and about the YouTube star is Olivia Jade didn't even want to go to college. Like, she already has. She ha- I she remember had. reading that because we obviously talked about it on yeah. the air. Right. I remember hearing, like, well, first of all, she didn't even realize what her parents were doing. No. Because she had her own plans and mm-hmm. her YouTube was, like, blowing up yeah. and she wanted to be an influencer. Maybe beauty? Yeah, it was yeah. beauty because she had to deal with Sephora. That's what it was. She, she had her own line. Right. Oh. And right. her parents didn't go to college, but she, obviously, her mom, famous actress, her dad, I forgot, he did something. He he's, had lots of money, too. Yeah, he's a big t- big name somewhere or something. D- it, Guillermo, I think his name is. Exactly, yeah. And so, like, they had, but they were like, we want you to go to college. We want you to go to college. And that was one of the points of the documentary is that you have these rich parents who've made their own way. And their kids are still their entrepreneurs on their own, like sort of like uh, what's the Jenner with the makeup? Kylie. Oh, Kylie, Kylie, and, and uh, the other one. You know how like Kendall. they had her as like self-made billionaire, and it's like, all right, yes, she did work, yeah, but she had a great fucking launch pad to oh, get there. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes, obviously. And, and that's like, how how these kids are. Like, yes, they are making their own way. They're doing their work, but they had a great start mm-hmm. to it. Doesn't hurt. Yeah. Right. And that was the point of this whole um, documentary was that these are people that already have access to the best tutors, to the best um, SAT, ACT prep coaches, everything. And they still feel like they have to cheat and take up a spot that would belong to 
your actual daughter, Maya, right. who you don't have the money and the resources to send her to an Ivy League if that's what she wanted to do. Right. And yeah. then another point they made is like, why are we putting so much emphasis on Ivy Leagues? Like, are they really setting you up that much better than a Florida State or well, Georgia Southern or Ohio Northern? You can throw the name around, though. And so I guess, yes, it does. But it's not so much even the name for the kid. It's that... Lori Laughlin yes, gets yeah. to be like, well, my daughter is at USA or whatever. Where Absolutely. The I don't know. It's it's just another feather in the cap. Right. And it's just it. It's possible, obviously, because I'm not coming into this with like no hope, but it just you just it's another thing that shows you how difficult it is to come from obscurity to make it. Oh, it is yes. obviously completely possible. Thanks to. TikTok and Instagram. It's completely possible to do that. Right. Nowadays, especially in that arena. Like, is right. it is it entirely possible to become, like, become this Fortune 500 head of company without, like, a decent college degree? Right. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does it help? Yes. And so that's where that comes in. But, like, as yeah. far as, like, the influencers right. out there and, like, the... I would say kids, but, like, the, the young adults that are coming up that are hoping to gain success as a personality... Mm-hmm. Your college has no bearing on that whatsoever. Right. I hate to say it, but it doesn't. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's an interesting, interesting documentary if you want to spend some time watching it. And it just, mm. it just makes you angry because it's yet another thing that rich, the super, super rich are like, well, we can just throw our money around. I can pay. I mean, and even at the end of the documentary, they were like, because they they had, they say there's like a backdoor to colleges if like, you know, you wanted to create the, broadcast facility, the Holly O'Connor broadcast facility at USF, you pay $50 million and they'll be like, okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll look at Maya. We'll see. Girl, Maya's getting in. She's oh, getting in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This, where, and that still exists, but yes. then this was the side door where it was complete lies and fabrications. Yes. That is now closed, but then it just is just very disheartening if you're a kid. And that was one of the emotional touch points that they set the documentary up on at the beginning is showing all these kids where, you know, back, Holly, when you and I were in college, we would all sit by the mailbox and, like, wait for that letter to come. Yeah. Where now they log into their portal. Yes. And then it lets them know if they got it or not. And so they have all these kids, you know, filming themselves, waiting and keep refreshing to oh, see if the decision. God. And oh, like, yeah. And you're all like, oh, my God, this is so great. And then one by yeah, one, they're like, my life is over. Uh, I've worked so hard. So aye, aye, aye. It's just, it's so sad. It's so sad yeah. that that's where we are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Did you experience that, Scott, when you were in high school? Yeah. Well, I, My first choice of college was to go to UF. Mm. And I watched all of my friends get in. I, mm. My parents went in. My whole family went there. That was my line. Well... I I had great grades. I was very involved. I had over like a four point three GPA. Yeah, how could you? How I didn't get in. How did you not get into I don't UF? Know. I don't know. But again, their level that like the prestigiousness of it just was so high that it was just insane. Yeah. And it ended up being like again at that moment that was somebody asked me when I was I was talking to like this high school class and they're like. What was it like a life changing moment that at the time sucked, but it ended up being one of the biggest lessons? That was one of those lessons because it felt like my life was over. And I legit, I like cried. I felt like I let my parents down. I felt like I let my entire family down because that was literally the plan from when I was a little kid. Mm. And then I quickly learned, I was like, well, you better pick up your bootstraps and start finding another route. And that's where I ended up going to USF. And that changed 
everything. Right. That was the biggest blessing that I've ever experienced to be like, holy crap, this place that I had no intention, that was my fourth choice. And I went there and I had every opportunity in the world to just make my own legacy now. I yeah. could fill my own shoes, all that stuff. But at the time, yeah, we would you would film yourself, you would go to school talking about it, it would be the thing. And yeah, I was one of those. I was like, yeah, I didn't get in. Mm. Oh. Now, was it because I remember when everyone started getting their letters when I was in high school because it wasn't checked on online. It was getting a letter. Oh, you had to wait for that. It was like a fat envelope with mm. like very fancy uh, paper. If you got in. Well, no, they still put it. They put it on fancy paper they even do, if you didn't get in. Yeah. Because oh. they were like trick you. Well, no, you They'd do. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm to say so my envelope we wasn't fat. to inform you. I don't, maybe it was just in my mind that it was fat because the, the paper felt so fancy. No, because I, I distinctly remember. There's definitely a different feel when yeah. you have a Because I just. Accepted. When I went. When I first went to college, like, I knew where I was going because I had to go to a two-year school, um, and that wasn't an issue. But it was once I was almost done with my two-year school that I was applying for four-year schools around Georgia, and I really wanted to get into the University of Georgia. And so I remember checking my college, um, the P.O. box we had, the little Mm -hmm. mailboxes for the dorms, Mm -hmm. and I remember checking. I remember getting that little thin envelope from the University of Georgia, and I was like, am I going to be a bulldog? And it was like. Sorry to inform Sorry. you we regret that to we regret inform, to inform yeah. you that, and I was like, "Well, fuck your bulldog." I know. Don't you like immediately hate <laughs> that school? That's like you feel, loved yeah. it, and then you're like, you know what? You can fuck your gator in the face. That's exactly. How I kind of feel to this day still. <laughs> oh my god. It's unfortunate. But <laughs> like, I, Sorry. I remember in high school when everyone was getting it, and I people would come into the lunchroom and they'd be like, "I got in! I got into Vanderbilt! I got into Cornell!" And it was just like, oh my gosh, how great! Was it like that? You for you? Know, oh my I god! Rem- yeah. I don't remember any of that. Really? Oh, wow. Maybe I'm. I was very sheltered, first and second of all. I just, I don't, I don't have any recollection of anybody other than the athletes mm. getting full ride scholarships to places to play football. Mm. And I remember, and why did I do this? I sat next to Deontay Farrell in history and he was like the star quarterback of our football team. And he was applying to so many places that, and our, our history teacher was so boring. He, to me, the girl that sat behind him and the girl that sat on the other side of him, he's like, we all help me fill this, some of these out. And I was like, okay. Oh. I'm like, sit here like filling them out for him. And I was like, holy doing like that the kids like him that we knew about them and where they'd be playing football Mm -hmm. yeah I have no idea even where some of my friends went like it just like I I don't know why maybe it's because in my high school so many people just went on to Kent State which is like the university either Kent State or Akron those Mm. are the two universities that were the closest to my high school we called Kent State 13th grade because mm. so many, it was almost just like, well, you're just going to Kent State. Can't read, can't write, Kent State. <laughs> oh. That's what the joke was. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, Kent State is a beautiful university. Um, but so, so many people just went there. I, nobody that I know even went to some big school. It was always, well, you have to understand, there's so many colleges in Ohio. There's more colleges per square foot in Ohio than there are, like, hotels. It's oh. ins- You can't, like, swing a dead cap and hit not hit a college. <laughs> That's what we say about churches in Georgia. Same. It's just, but it's colleges. <laughs> and some of them are private schools and they're public schools and there's so many schools. It, and I don't, I don't ever remember it being like waving at anything around only for those football players that were like, I'm going to Ohio State. 
And we were like, yay. Mm. I, I, maybe, it, again, it may just be me being sheltered, but it just seemed like it wasn't as big of a thing. Oh, gosh. In my high school, I remember the student newspaper, and I'm sure I have it. It's I don't remember if it was like the last edition, but it was like one of the right before the end of the school year, they would print where everyone was going to school. Oh, yeah, they did that because they said like it was like your future. You're like, oh, this is what so-and-so is doing. And it would be like, oh, that's a good idea to bring that out for the high school reunion in a couple of years. Um, I have to dig through my boxes and find that. Um, But I just remember everyone just like, oh, my gosh, see who's going to all these big, great schools. I don't remember any... And then, like we would just be like, oh cool, they're going to Otterbein. No. I'm telling you, there's so many. <laughs> well, see, but then too, I feel like because of where I went to school, I went to a very, in a, a very affluent Way, school. Yes. And so that's why, and that's one of the things that this documentary talks about is. Yes. I always, I always remember saying this that like where I went to high school, the question your senior year and junior year was never, what are you doing after school? It was. Where are you going to yeah. school? Yeah, yeah. Mm. And then where I lived in South Atlanta and where I went to church, the question was, what are you doing after high school? Mm. Not what are you do? where are you going to college? And so that that was the thing is that every focus was on what school are you going to? I forgot about that disparity. I forgot because I was mm-hmm. like, I'm like, what is wrong? Like, why do I not remember? And that was very much an option. Like kids that would just be like, well, I'm going to go start working with my dad. Oh, and we'd be no. like, okay, that's cool. Oh. Like, but for me, my mom did did not make that an option. Like, growing up, I was just told, well, after high school, you'll go to college. Because yeah, she right. never went, so she wanted me to go. But I do think that there was a large portion of, like, blue-collar workers in our area that were just going to go in the family business. Mm. Or maybe they were going to um, take a year and, and work in lawn care for a second and then see what happened. Or right. Like, it just, that was more widespread it wasn't like a lot of people didn't go to college a lot of people did yeah but i would say the focus was not hugely on where are you going so that must be the difference what i think about that's the difference your school Scott. very much where are you going to school like we had mm. celebrations like i have pictures on my facebook of like us repping our college and that's what it was i mean we had students going to yale harvard all of those schools what Oh, yeah. It was very much like that. So, I mean, again, it was a lot of pressure when you were like, what school are you going to? And, uh, well, here it is. And at first, that's why it was really rough. It was like, okay, where are you going? Because a majority, a lot, either went to UF or FSU. That was like a huge, that would be like 13th grade for us. It would be like FSU or UF. And I would go over there and I'd visit and be like, oh, my God, y'all, like, it's the same group y'all are with in high school. Right. Mm. Which also became a lesson. And I was like, thank God. I met a whole new crew over at USF. I didn't want to go it. to Kent or Akron because I was like, I don't even like most of these people. Yeah. I don't want to go to college with them, too. So that's right. why I looked elsewhere. But it, it is. You go there and you're just like, oh, same old people. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, no, at my school was very much. And we had a blend. Like, Vero is such a blend because you literally have, like, I almost like to picture it like a, literally a bridge. Like, there's the beach side, which is. You know, if you got a lot of money, you live on beach side. And then you have, like, where I lived. I live on the west side, which is, you know, just normal neighborhoods. You know, not bad, not good. It's just nice little neighborhood. So it was a good split. You had people all over. So some couldn't afford to go to these schools. And some, you know, were going into just the, our state college over there, Indian River State, and they would hang out there for a couple of years. So it's just a blend of it all. But, yeah, going to what college, like, and showing that off, mm. huge. Wow. Everything at that time. Yeah, there was just... 
it's really interesting to like think back to those days of like putting yourself in that mind frame because as I was watching this documentary, I was just thinking about how different it was from when I was in high school, but how the pressures were still the same depending upon what type of high school you went to. Yeah. And just how like I also last night as I was watching this, I gave myself a bunch of grace because I was like I literally was handicapped basically like out of the starting gate, mm-hmm. you know, whereas a lot of my friends who I went to school with, they had all the opportunities to be able to, you know, be helped in making yes. sure that they were set up for success. And Correct. a lot of them are really successful and it's been really cool to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I had to like take a second instead of my usual like, well, see, Miguel, like you didn't get the upper hand and you didn't get the help and this is where you are. I was like, well, you know what? From starting from literally nothing, like literally zero, negative zero, actually. Yes. yes. Like I clawed my way to this point yeah. by just doing it. So like I had a little like cheer for myself. And you should. Like so those should. Are so those are the moments. And I thought about this yesterday. It's like. You have to remind yourself, and we talked about that. That's a cookie jar moment. I talked about it like a week ago on the podcast. When you think of like, wait, I've I've gone through so many tough battles. And when you have a tough battle that comes up on you now, you're like, I've been through tougher. I've gone through harder times. I can make it through this. And those moments, instead of being like, man, I could have been. No, you did it. Mm. You, you battled so much more adversity than a majority of people that you probably knew growing up. That's like that's a bigger celebration in my mm-hmm. eyes. That shows that you could go off and do so much more because yeah. you've already come from so much. So it's like that's just such a cool lesson. I think it's a, a good thing for people to remind themselves. It's like I've done already so much. What he said. I have more mm-hmm. to give. Mm-hmm. It is. And I think, too, that if you are young and if you are, because this is around the time that you're probably, you know, deciding oh, if yeah. you have some options where you're going to school or getting the decision letters, yeah. you know, to it. It don't matter. Like, unless you want to work for one of those places in New York or L.A. or whatever where it's like you've got to go to this school and have this pedigree. Yeah. 98% of the – 99% of the rest of whatever you want to do, it don't matter. It does not. It does not. When I was going to look at college campuses, and I don't know if they told you about this, but, like, you pick the one that feels like home to you. Yeah, absolutely. You don't pick the one that you're like, well, this is going to look good on my resume. Like, you actually have to do it for four years. Yeah. You realize, like, you... Ugh. And then you go to your job. That is what I cracked me up. I remember applying here, and it's like you go to your job, and it's like the resume is, like, the least amount talked about. I know! It's like, oh, you have a resume? And I don't even know if, you know, I don't know if this is bad, but, like, I remember handed it to my boss at the time. I was like, cool. And, like, just gave it back. I was like... Yeah. Okay, like, great. But it was more so, like, what are you going to bring to the table? And right. so no matter where you go, what's on that resume of your four years, it's more so what could you bring with that experience that you have? No matter what the title is on the school, what do you have to offer? Exactly. And what can you – are you willing to learn? Right. Yeah, are you willing to work and are you willing to learn? And I think – I remember my mom calling me – I think it was maybe my second semester in college because, you know, I think my – Two of my cousins went to college, and then my uncle, one of my uncles did. But outside of that, no one else had gone to college. And so my mom called me and was like, do you feel smarter? Like, do you feel like... Because, mm. you know, to her, especially at that time, this was 2003, you know, college was this, like, mysterious thing that we had spent so much time stressing about and talking about. And it was like, 
they're going to inject you with like success and smart. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, the biggest takeaway or two of the biggest takeaways to me from for college was I don't remember anything I learned. Like, I just remember impressions that I got. Um, ooh, there is something I was going to bring up on the show today, but we didn't have time, and I want to talk about it here. Um, but it was about the people that I met, mm. the friendships, and the connections that I made. One connection that I made in my college led me here, yeah. and that was Steve Kramer, who we worked with in the past because him and I went to college together. Right. But that start like that was that was my networking. To that get was how to I radio. got into radio. I it met Dave college. Crosser, mm -hmm. and he was the first one that hired me on to an actual radio station. We went to college together. See, and that's it's about that network and that those friends, like your your best friend Jessica. Yeah, you're still friends with today, and you met her in college. Exactly. I, my one of my other best friends, Kristen. She, I'm going to her wedding later this year. Like oh. my like some of the best friends that I still consider best friends were college friends. Absolutely, and so that's where I feel like you meet that like work in the friendship network. But then also, I do think it teaches you critical thinking. Absolutely. Yes. You get a lot of life that, experience in that. That, to me, is the intelligent or the intelligence part of college is I don't remember anything. And my fiance, Abe, um, his both his parents are college educators, and he went for like a year, which is so funny. I will try to be like, Abe, literally, I know zero stories from the year you were in college. He's like, because it was, it was, I was drunk. He's like, I, I, was, I don't remember. I was drunk. I was drunk, so I stopped. Mm. And now, because he, from a very early age, he always was a hands person, a trades person. So he should have gone to, like, a technical school yeah. to do that sort of thing. I but think he the went same thing about my brother, because my mom pushed and pushed and pushed. Right. And now we know that, hey, if, because even his mom is like, when Abe was, like, seven, he would just, like, take apart cars, toy cars, and, like, put them back together. Because yeah. he, that's how his brain thinks. He has a, a skill, a craft. Right. And so, but now, you know, his, if ever his business dips, his painting business dips, he's like, ah, I should have went to, I should have stayed with it. And I'm like, no, you would have yeah. been miserable. Yeah. And you yeah. would have hated yourself. And then you would have got a job that you would have hated even more. Yeah. And oh, you would have been miserable. I'm like, the only thing when it comes to that, that college for me and in, in my particular area is critical thinking and being able to absorb information, critically think about it and disseminate it. Yeah, that was helpful for me too. And it honestly, for me, college broadened my entire mind. Yes. 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 Like, oh, yeah. I don't remember, again, learning specific things, but even in some of the classes you take, like, you are suddenly shown that the world is bigger than your hometown. Yes. Mm -hmm. So yes. you your, your mind expands, but not in the way that people think it does. Like, I didn't just read a whole math textbook and now I'm like a math whiz. I still no. suck at math, but, like, I know how to find the answers now. Right. I can figure it out. Like, I know how to go from point A to point B without being a math whiz myself. Right. And it and I think college helps with that. And I, I think that anybody would probably agree that that is the biggest skill that you get in college. Like, you become better able to process information, life, people. Right. You know. And I think that even, like, just for, like, a liberal arts university, even if it's just a trade school that you want to go to, I just think some sort of formal education helps you whether it's doing like Abe and going the trade route or doing what we do, uh, the liberal arts route. Mm -hmm. I think that whatever it is, you know, it, it, it's good for you to do. Right. Um, but real quick before we uh, head out, I have talked about in the past, um, one of my favorite professors in college, um, his name was Miss Dr. Butler, and he was a history professor. And he was the hardest professor on campus. Like the first, when you first get there, everyone's like, 
Ooh. Girl, if you take Dr. Butler's class, good luck. Because literally <laughs> it was him lecturing and you would just take notes the entire time. And if I remember correctly, there were like three or four tests in his class. In his class. And there was like usually one paper. And for his test, <clears throat> for a period, like let's say you were studying the Civil War. On the test, there would be 25 uh, terms, like General Sherman, um, whatever, whatever, whatever. So you would get to pick three of those terms on the test, and I still remember it to this day, um, three of those terms, and then you would just write about what it meant and what it was. Mm. Oh, He was like, I'm not going to sit here and make sure that you know an, the exact date for stuff, but tell me a story about what it is because that's going to stay with you longer. I, uh, That's good teaching right there. It was because you then had to like, you didn't just learn dates and figures. You would learn the story behind the terms. Mm-hmm. So then that was the first part of the test in the little blue booklet. Blue, blue booklet Forgot booklet. about the blue booklet. Yep. Oh, blue yeah. Booklet. And booklet. Blue booklet. Blue booklet. That's me during trivia. Right? (laughs) Literally. And so then the second half of his test, where uh, in your study guide, he would give three essays. And um, it would be like a, during the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln fought for these three things and believed this. Explain to me and tell me the story behind how he got to that conclusion, yada, yada. So it would be like a four-sentence question you would write an essay about in the test, and there would be three. So he would give you the three essay questions before the test. Mm -hmm. So you would study. And then when you would go into the day for the test, he would put one, two, three in a hat, and then he would pick one of the numbers, and then that would be the essay that you would write. So you never knew if it was going to be essay one, essay two, or essay three. So you had to be prepared for all three. Yeah. And so literally you would just study and study and learn these um, stories about historical figures. So anyway, loved his class. I did the required one, passed with an A. And then I loved his storytelling so much that I took two more classes from him. And he's the guy that taught my African-American, my first African-American studies class. And I just remember just never being that excited about college and a class before. And just every day I would just come in and just be ready to like just feel in, just soak up the knowledge that he brought. And I loved it so much. Yeah. Um, Well, he messaged me and added me on Twitter. Oh! Oh, and I have looked for him for years because I always wanted to say thank you for opening up my mind to history because I was never a history person before that. And so I messaged him after he added me on Twitter and I was like, Dr. Butler, how the hell are you? And he he responded. And of course, in Dr. Butler's way, he was like, oh, I'm surprised you messaged me back. I thought it was going to be some assistant or something, but uh, I'm glad to see you're big-timing it up in Tampa. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. And I'm, like, so excited to reconnect with him because I've been wanting to just say thank you for so long. So I say all that to say, formal education, you don't remember exactly what you did. Right. But you remember these experiences, mm-hmm. and you remember how they made you feel. Yeah. And you love revisiting those memories from back in the day. That's exactly how I feel. I'm not going to make this go on longer, but it's how I feel about Eastern Asian studies when I was mm. in 
a senior. I had to fill with more like electives than I had time for previously. Yeah. Well, I chose that one and I didn't realize I was going to fall in love with this topic. And the woman that taught it was so wonderful. Mm. She was this like older white lady who had been to like Tibet and like had all this knowledge as she came back. And she always had like, she had mostly gray hair, but like one brown piece and it was always tucked casually into the... Oh. Mm. And I then went on to take two other classes from her mm. just because I was so she was such a good storyteller mm-hmm. and the the subject matter it did not feel like uh learning right. things that was the best i was like i i kept all my textbooks from those classes and then of course my mom still to this day is like well jesus and i'm like woman <laughs> you sent me to college if you didn't want me to learn then maybe you should have not oh like this is what happens when you go to college you get oh, yeah. you find passions that you didn't even know existed or that you would ever have Girl, I cannot tell you the because Dr. Butler was at my two year school in mm. South Georgia. Yeah. And the college I went to was in the small town in Douglas, Georgia, Coffee County. I mean, it's it's I, it, just think about like Ocala, but smaller. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, it's I was tiny. in Ada. I understand. Ada right. has, has a population of like a thousand people. So oh, you geez. had all these like professors that weren't from there. Yeah. Who would come in and they were like you going to be done with the small town bullshit. You're going to learn today. Yeah. And so me being from Atlanta, the big city, I was like, ooh, learn me. I want to learn. <laughs> I want you to radicalize me. I want to learn these new ideas. But then the people that were from Douglas that were there, girl, some of these classes, that you could just see them being like, that's not what I learned in church. That's. And the professor would be like, if you don't like it, get out. Oh. Right? Like, that's when you first get to college. Like, it is it's such a, a bit of a rude awakening. Hell like, yeah. When your professor cusses in class the first time, you're like, ah! You're like, Ooh! is there an adult here besides the one that swore? Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Yeah, it's real crazy. Man, I really loved college and I miss it sometimes. It was, it was oh, yeah. such a fun time. Such a fun time. So reconnect <laughs> with people from your past. It's fun to do that. All right, Scott, what's all of your social media? At Scott Tavlin, S-C-O-T-T-T-A-V-L-I-N. Holly. Radio Holly on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. Miguel Fuller for everything for me. And send me an email if you want some Miguel and Holly swag and for being a part of the platypus posse. A pee-pee. Miguel at Hot1015TampaBay.com. Leave us a review and a rating, please. It helps us so much. And we'll see you next week. Catch up up with the previous episodes of the Miguel and Holly Uncensored Podcast from Hot 101.5. Just hit up the Hot 101.5 app, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Search Miguel and Holly Uncensored. Uncensored.